KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Matt Leon. There is a lot to discuss when it comes to unemployment in the U.S. Of course, we've got millions of people nationwide out of work because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But we also got a jobs report last week that was surprisingly positive. But as people kind of dug into the data, maybe not as positive as everyone first thought. End of next month, that enhanced unemployment, that federal benefit will run out. What happens then? Could we see an extension of that? We have seen unemployment systems across the country overwhelmed because so many people were trying to file claims. As a result of that, could we see some significant and needed changes to the unemployment system? A lot to discuss, and we wanted to get some answers to some of these questions, so we reached out to Scott Diekel. He's an associate professor and chair of the Department of Business and Economics at Ursinus College, a friend of the KYW In-Depth podcast, and we talk about all these topics and more. Give a listen. Let's go back to this to last week on Friday, the jobs report comes out, and in real time, you almost felt the entire economic community in the United States kind of do a double take because the numbers were so good, even they were good even in a normal time. But now it seems like maybe things aren't what they quite appear to be. Kind of talk about what we initially saw and what we've kind of learned in the last few days. Yeah, so on Friday, the uh, the market was pleasantly surprised by an unemployment rate of 13.3%, which six months ago, we if we had heard 13.3%, we would have all said, man, we're in a catastrophe. But compared to the previous month's 14.8%, it was an improvement. And it was also an improvement that was completely unexpected by economists. Not a single economist who takes part in typical surveys of what the unemployment rate will be said that the unemployment rate would go down. So it took everyone by surprise. And having had a weekend to look over the fine print of the jobs report, we we see a few things that are probably contributing to the low number. One is that the surveys conducted by the Department of Labor, which gathers unemployment statistics, uh, had some nuances that apparently led to the interviewers conducting the surveys recording some people as employed when actually they should have been recorded as unemployed. And if you take that into account, the unemployment rate, uh, not just for April, but also for March, would be about three percentage points higher. That said, there's probably some other issues that contributed to the decline in the unemployment rate. This uh, survey that was conducted for May was done entirely by telephone. And when they do surveys by telephone, it means that sometimes uh, people don't pick up. And normally they supplement their telephone interviews with in-person interviews and they get a much broader sample. And so the uh, participation rate in the Labor Department survey of workers was uh, substantially lower than normal by about 15 percentage points. And when you think about who may not be reachable for a telephone survey, it's probably more likely to be someone who's unemployed than someone who is employed. So there may be some undercounting of the unemployed due to that. 
Other factors I've seen mentioned as well include less business participation in the unemployment surveys as well. So normally businesses also uh, respond to telephone interviews, uh, giving their sense and their information on how many workers they have working. And this time around, the Bureau of Labor Statistics gave a lot of employers the option to submit their information through a web server. And there was not as high participation in that as normal. So while the numbers look good, and I think there was a small improvement in the unemployment picture last month, I don't think it's quite as good as the headline numbers say. And just so we're, I think, because initially a lot of people looked at this right through a political lens and there was, oh, right. this can't be true. They're they're cooking the books. That's not, the, this is more the challenge of trying to put something like this together in the midst of a pandemic, which we don't have a playbook for, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I haven't seen evidence that there was some directive from on high to make the unemployment numbers look good so Donald Trump could look good. Uh, Interestingly, we had a similar situation uh, seven or eight years ago when unemployment figures improved under Barack Obama. And some people, very prominent people, including Jack Welch, the former CEO of General Electric, suggested that the Obama administration was cooking the books. And no one really produced solid evidence then that uh, that was the case. And so far, no one's produced any solid evidence that it's the case this time around either. I I agree that it's just uh, a chaotic situation where the workers at the Bureau of Labor Statistics have had to invent a whole new way of producing these figures. So let's talk about, because that actually wasn't even on the table when we first talked about doing this interview. We wanted to talk Mm -hmm. about the unemployment insurance. Now, one of the things that's interesting, or I shouldn't say interesting to me, but I think everybody's got to, is focused on the moment because there's so much going on. But one thing, next month, that increased unemployment, that extra $600 that is coming Mm -hmm. from the federal coffers is set to run out. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot of political will to increase that right now. Uh, First of all, talk about the unemployment. And usually you get that money from the state. And then this was in an increase because of these Mm -hmm. challenging times we're in kind of quickly break down what's what people are taking advantage of right now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'll help to kind of compare a before and after picture of the unemployment insurance system. So unemployment insurance in normal times is a program that is required by the federal government, but the federal government empowers each of the 50 states and the District of Columbia and so on to administer the program in the way they best see fit. The basic minimum standards are that workers who lose a job not for cause, as in they didn't get fired, and workers who don't quit their jobs are able to get some of their income replaced for at least 13 weeks. Now, 13 weeks is a minimum. Most states give 26 weeks and a few even offer more. Each state sets a percentage of a worker's lost income that it will replace up to a certain limit. So some states may say we'll replace 40% of a worker's income up to $400 a week. And other states might say we'll replace 60% of a worker's income up to $800 a week. We have this patchwork system. Each state's got its own way of administering it. And in normal times, the system is funded by taxes on employers. So every employer has to pay a certain percentage of their workers' 
wages into the state unemployment insurance fund. And that fund collects a surplus, and then that surplus can be used to pay workers unemployment insurance benefits when they lose their jobs. So that's how the system worked before. We have this system where, depending on the state you're in, you could get, say, as little as $250 a week for unemployment, like in Mississippi, or you could get as much as something like, I want to say, close to $600 a week if you live in Massachusetts. When the coronavirus pandemic hit, people could see that there was going to need to be additional support for workers. Lots of workers would be losing their jobs. They could be losing them for long periods of time. The economy was definitely going to take a hit. So many people felt that the system needed to be beefed up to support that. Congress, when it passed the CARES Act, which um, came through at the end of March, did a few things. One, it extended for all states the duration of unemployment benefits by 13 weeks. The other important thing that it did for our conversation is that it added a $600 a week federal supplement to unemployment insurance through the end of July. So this meant that if you lived in Mississippi, you would get that, say, $250 a week when you filed for unemployment insurance, plus an extra $600 from the federal government. And if you lived in Massachusetts, you might get $600 a week plus another $600 a week. So you get a total of $1,200 a week of unemployment insurance. You also could count on getting the benefits for an additional 13 weeks, which would provide you with a little more peace of mind because we think that the economy, while it should recover, is probably going to recover over a rather long period. Could we be kind of looking at another financial situation that once at the end of July, the extra $600 runs out that maybe mm-hmm. a lot of people that were utilizing that to, to keep things mm-hmm. together, that, that that's going to add another dynamic to this uh, economic picture we're looking at? A lot of people are concerned that when July 31st hits and that $600 benefit goes away, it's going to cause problems for a lot of people. And here's a fun fact that kind of goes along with that. The Federal Department of Commerce does a survey every month of people's personal income. How much money did you receive from all sources in the past month? And would you believe that in the month of April, across America, personal incomes were actually up 10.5%. So you think about how did that happen? Obvious source is that extra $600 a week some people were getting in unemployment insurance. A lot of people don't even make $600 a week to start with. And then when they went on to unemployment, they got the $600 plus whatever their state fund paid. So they were making more money than they did before. Throw on top of that the stimulus checks and uh, some other sources of income that might have come in. People actually got more income in April during this horrible economy than they do in a normal month by a a significant margin. So people are looking at that and they're saying, well, okay, that that is unusual, but at the same time, we needed it because this is a crisis. People need uh, some relief to get through the crisis. When July 31st rolls around, if we take away that relief, people are going to be left with much less of a safety net. I would say starting in August, folks will still have access to their state unemployment insurance benefits. At the worst case, people will be getting 26 weeks of unemployment insurance benefits in a a few uh, relatively strict states like North Carolina and Florida, where 
Normally, you only get 13 weeks. Now you'll get 26. And if you filed for unemployment at the end of March, that'll take you through the end of September. So there's a few more months of state-level unemployment insurance for those in the stricter states. And in the more generous states, it could take you through the end of the year or even into next year. But that said, it's still going to be less money. You're not going to have that $600 a month. And that is going to mean less spending, which means less economic activity. And frankly, for some people, it's going to mean some suffering. Some people may not be able to afford their rent. They may not be able to afford food. And that that causes real uh, hardship for people. But interestingly, Matt, there's also a case to be made that the economy would be better off if we ended those benefits. How so? The argument is that people need an incentive to go back to work. If we don't have people at work, they won't be producing stuff for our economy to grow and give us a high standard of living. So to get our economy going back at the level it was back in February, we need a lot of people to return back to work. We need this, whatever percentage of the workforce it is, whether it be 13.3% or 20%, to get back to work. And if someone is making $600 a week in federal benefits plus their state program, and they're making more than they did before they were laid off, they have less incentive to find a new job or to even return to their job if their current employer makes it available to them again. So if employers can't find workers to work, then less things are going to be made and we're going to have less stuff to buy and it's going to cause problems for other businesses in uh, their ecosystems, for lack of a better word. And so we need workers to get back to work to have a functioning economy. And a lot of economists and a lot of politicians would say that uh, by the end of July, it will be time to give workers some incentive to return back to work. And so it's appropriate to let these benefits phase out. Now, you, you look at that and it's, it's a valid argument. The problem that comes in then is, so, is that to some extent, we know that the economy's capacity to employ people must be less Why is that? Social distancing. If you had a uh, small restaurant and uh, it's allowed to reopen, it could only probably under your local health regulations serve somewhere between 25% and 75% of the customers it could before. So that means those restaurants will hire or, or employ one to five to 10, who knows how many less workers than they normally did. And so just the capacity for employing people is going to be a little bit less. So it's, it's a very interesting uh, set of considerations there when you think about uh, how we should act when we, get, you know, when we get through this period of extra federal support. There's, there's a very strong argument for letting the additional benefits run out so people have the incentive to get back to work. But there's also going to be certain sectors like the restaurant and service sector where people are not able to return those previous jobs. And I can even give you another interesting debate within that debate. Let's say that the restaurant industry, like we think a lot of industries are, is going to be permanently changed by this crisis. Okay. We've had a lot of restaurant businesses turn to takeout and they've gotten really good at takeout. Maybe uh, a large part of the public now would just rather get takeout than sit down in a restaurant. You know, maybe you'd like to have your friends over and just have it delivered rather than 
drive into the restaurant, sit down at a table, that kind of thing. Maybe you'd rather sit in front of your own TV and watch the game or, you know, watch a movie, something like that. So now that means the restaurant business and employment in the restaurant business has to change. That means restaurants need fewer servers and they need more delivery people. If that's the way the restaurant industry is going and we want to make that transition as smooth as possible, we need workers to have incentive to change the type of jobs they're doing. If you make it so that workers can wait longer and longer to get the type of job they previously had, that transition isn't going to happen as quickly. You can see it on a larger scale. Think about just the, the example of Amazon. You know, While the economy was tanking, Amazon was hiring literally 100,000 new workers. If there is a very generous unemployment insurance benefit to you from your old non-Amazon job, you're unlikely to go work for Amazon while you collect those unemployment benefits and wait for your new jo- your old job to come back. And so that makes it harder for the economy to transition to a situation where Amazon can do a lot more selling and delivering of those goods and services. And so some people say, well, that makes for a less dynamic economy. That makes for uh, slower growth in the long run because we're less likely to find new efficient ways to do things. We just can't shift the labor force. The labor force isn't as flexible as it used to be. And one of the interesting things is I've heard the argument also made by some politicians that they are concerned that people are making more on unemployment. So we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Isn't there an argument to be said that maybe it's we, we you look at a system where people are getting paid so little that a simple beefing up of the unemployment actually has them making more than the wages they were making when they were employed? Yeah, and I think that'll be an interesting uh, political dynamic from this. I mean, that $600 figure wasn't completely arbitrary. It was what a lot of people consider to be a living wage. And so if you consider that a lot of workers were not even making $600 a week when they worked, they weren't making a living wage and they were working. And that suggests to a lot of people that uh, there's some real problems with uh, how income gets distributed in our economy. So I I think that's going to raise awareness of that. I, I see awareness of a lot of other issues being raised too. I mean, prior to this, uh, claims for unemployment insurance nationwide numbered like in like the hundred thousands or so every week or, or every yeah every week or so, and then we went through a period where millions filed for unemployment insurance. So if you think about that, you know before COVID, most people you could argue pretty well had never filed for unemployment insurance, and a lot of people probably didn't even know someone who had. After this, I think we all know someone who has filed for unemployment insurance, and some of us have even had to apply for it. And we now get to see what unemployment insurance looks like up close. And we're going to see some things that maybe we don't feel is actually entirely just or functions the way it should. People who filed for unemployment insurance now get to see what it's like to wait for three weeks for an answer about whether you're going to get unemployment insurance, why you don't have a job. They are going to get to see what it's like to go into websites to crash due to overuse. They're going to think about, well, what does it really mean to have 40% of my income replaced right after I lose a job? And I think a lot of people are going to say, you know, the system probably could be a little more generous than it was. So I, I fully expect unemployment insurance to become more generous after this in terms of its payouts. 
And I also expect to see just the infrastructure uh, of state unemployment offices improve. I mean, look at all these servers, uh, computer servers that couldn't handle the load uh, when this outbreak hit. I mean, I, I think there's now enough voters who were impacted by that, that it's likely to change uh, in the next year or two. Yeah, that was going to be my next point, because I think I know in New Jersey, I think I read in Maryland, like they had problems, literally like they didn't have people that knew how to run the software because it was so outdated. And I Mm -hmm. hate to be the cynic, but to me, this is almost and this is nationwide. I know Florida's unemployment is woefully and it's almost a feature, not a bug. Purposely, money is not sent in these directions because I know they've had an I think in New Jersey, they had a couple of reports over multiple administrations, both parties, that said, you got to upgrade this, 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 and this, and it it doesn't Mm -hmm. get done. So a lot of the, yes, they were overwhelmed, and they probably would have been overwhelmed under Mm -hmm. these circumstances, even if they were state-of-the-art, but uh, we we are seeing the gaping wounds that have been, this is decades of of not paying attention to this or purposely trying to pretend like it's not that important. Yeah, if it it was like highways, if our highways were like our unemployment insurance offices, you know, they would have potholes every hundred feet and half of them would be made of gravel (laughs) because they just haven't been maintained. And we don't tolerate that with highways because most of us drive on highways every day. But if 75% of people never file for unemployment insurance, it's not a factor when they go to vote on election day. And politicians don't worry about it. And they're comfortable budgeting their money in other places. So what are some other things you think we could see? You mentioned more, you know, more generous benefits, the possibility of uh, a smoother system. Could you mm-hmm. see other ripple effects from an unemployment standpoint of, of how mm-hmm. it's attacked? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can think of two things. Um, so one thing is related to people who have to leave work to care for a child or even a, an elderly adult. There's currently no unemployment benefits for that. And Now we've had a situation where a lot of people had to stop working because there were no schools and no daycares for their kids, or maybe they had an elderly relative who needed some help during this crisis or even uh, got COVID. So those people were not eligible for unemployment insurance uh, in the past. And so now I think there's a large constituency to uh, support that change, or at least some kind of benefit for people who do care for children or the elderly, caregivers, as we call them. So that's one big change. Uh, Another reform I could see, um, supposing that there was an agreement to extend the federal supplement to unemployment insurance benefits. Some economists have taken a look at what we did with the $600 a week system. And they said, the problem with this is that you're giving everyone, regardless of occupation, $600 a week. So someone who works in uh, food service, making minimum wage, gets $600 a week, which takes them to double their previous pay. And then someone who's working in a professional job, making $80,000 a year, gets $600 a week as well. A, a proposal I've seen by some economists from the University of Chicago says, well, rather than making everyone get the same dollar figure, why don't we give everyone the same percentage of their previous wage? And the, the number they centered on was 
if the federal supplement was 45% of your previous wage, in addition to your state unemployment insurance benefit, then a lot of this issue about people getting paid substantially more than they had previously made would go away. The uh, fraction of workers getting that would go down uh, below uh, 20%, I believe. Whereas now, I want to say like more than 70% of workers getting unemployment insurance are making more than they did before going on unemployment insurance. So I, I see those as doing, being two structural reforms to the system. Uh, another one that comes to mind has to do with gig workers. Previous to this outbreak, if you were an Uber driver, you didn't get unemployment insurance. But Congress mandated that unemployment insurance goes to gig workers like those who drive Uber. And now that it's a benefit and people have thought about whether or not it should be a benefit, it seems like it's going to be difficult to take that away. No, and I think that's one thing we've learned about American society. People might rail against something, but once it gets entrenched into people's livelihoods, think, you know, right. Social Security, uh, right. Affordable Care Act, once the the seed takes root, it is very difficult, purely from a political standpoint, to be taking right. something away. So I want to wrap up. We talked about, you know, right now it doesn't seem like, and I think the Senate Majority Leader said that he has no interest in pursuing uh, an extension mm-hmm. of the federal, I think that's easy to say, mid-May, two months away. Mm-hmm. When it comes down mm-hmm. to it, do you think those extended unemployment benefits will be allowed to run out? Or do you think something, maybe not the same thing, but something else will be added? If I can dodge the question a little bit, I think it's going to depend on how the economy looks uh, in mid-July. And I think they will wait till the last minute to reach an agreement. And I think if we see continued improvement in the jobs picture, uh, I think that's going to make it easier to drop the federal subsidy. If, Things happen that uh, hurt the employment picture more and make it clear that people who look for jobs won't be able to find them, then I don't think Mitch McConnell is going to be able to hold out on that one. I think he's going to have to continue some sort of benefit. And it would be my hope that they switch to a percentage system uh, rather than the lump sum system. But people don't always take the advice of economists on these things. So I'll just have to hope. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. Oh.